Go big or stay small. Today's guest has seen it all and shares his insights. Blake Folgato has started tiny bootstrap companies, but also worked at a funded scale-up that grew from 5 to 170 people when he was there. He brings all views together and shares with us how he implements the best from both worlds to bring his current company outside towards product market fit. Welcome back to the Product Stories Podcast, hosted by Victor Peralnik. This podcast helps founders like yourself to find leaner ways to build successful SaaS products. Blake, welcome to the show. Uh, good to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. How did you start your journey in entrepreneurship? How did that happen? Uh, I think for me, it, it always came from like parents. So when I, we um born in South Africa, and uh, at the time, like my mom and dad always doing sort of different companies together, mostly around like sort of software things. And um, my mother became like an, uh, was the accountant for the company. And then we moved to uh, England. It just always became a passion of mine. And I knew when as I was sort of at school that I wanted to start something. And my first sort of test of that was my Xbox broke. And uh, for me, I was like, okay, let's see if I can fix it. And I uh, fixed And that was like, my, you know, that was my life <laughs> when I was like, you know, 14 or so. So once after fixing it, I realized I could potentially fix other people's and started sort of making ads online and then, you know, fixing people's Xboxes. And that was where I was sort of like, oh, this is this is very fun. Now I've got, I can sort of after school buy food and, you know, things, whatever I want because <laughs> it's my money. <laughs> and that, that was the sort of like, I think that the catalyst. You were actually running ads for, for your business when you were 14 years old. That's impressive. Yeah, so I learned like, um, like Photoshop was just uh, by sort of, trying to make stuff to put, put ads online and then once sort of people it was quite weird because i was in the garage and i'd be fixing them and it sort of eventually got cascaded down to like modifying consoles and stuff like that and then it's the point of like having a person that would come to my house and pick up like a car full of xboxes because i'd buy a lot on ebay and um he would then go fix them for me and then he'd have like a commission <laughs> and i was like okay i'm gonna outsource the fixing because it's actually makes what you make more money if you modify but it's a bit more time consuming. And yeah, my, my, my mom and I um, like stepped at the time, which is like, what is going on? <laughs> like there's people knocking <laughs> what, on the door like, hey, I'm here, I'm here for Blake. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's, here's your Xbox. I just have like my pile of cash. Hilarious. So that was high school. And what did you do after high school? Did you go the college route or did you just straight go back into entrepreneurship full time? Or what did you do? It was quite funny. I was speaking to my mother about this like a few weeks ago, where we never even spoke about university. I think because it was sort of just implicitly known that like I was just not going to go, <laughs> and I don't think I got the best uh, like grades either. So sort of when I got the envelope, I was like, okay, that's it. Now I just put that in like the drawer somewhere. And uh, so I was going to start something which is a like a company to sell sort of games, but I eventually didn't uh, do that. And I joined this uh, toy company, which is like relatively local to me, and. It was like three, three, four people at a time. And I joined as like a designer, sort of doing everything from, you know, this is like children's toys. So the manuals, the packaging design, and then through to like the, the sort of product design of it, you know, later. And then even the sort of trade shows. So the first thing I went into was just sort of a small kind of a startup in a small city. Cool. And how, how did that go? You had co-founders, right? What were your learnings from that? So this one I joined as it, so there was like the, the people that sort of set up the company and I joined as like sort of an employee and I was there for a few years and it was kind of crazy because manufacturing products is is very hard and it's very real you know and 
you make a, a design mistake and then a factory has to spend like a week you know relabeling stuff like um, i'd made a mistake once where we did this big promotion with this big company and we said uh, you know it was it was not supposed to include batteries so it was supposed to say not included on the box and I, for some reason i put included <laughs> and you know we went to print and then all these people like opening the box like where are the batteries and it was like that was like you know nightmare so they learned a lot about like detail and how much that stuff matters and you know what people think about when they look at a product but then yeah after that kind of at the time you know going to a bunch of like parties with um with friends and something that kept coming up again and again was like after we spent time together we'd all try to consolidate all of our photos into like an album and it was a bit of a nightmare you know it was dropbox wasn't as much a thing nor were any sort of shared albums you know i don't think there was even icloud photoshop you know that this just wasn't a thing I was sort of like, well, how do we, it seems like an app would be appropriate for this. How do you make an app? I've no clue. And uh, I think after sort of meeting a few people, I was introduced to a uh, development agency in uh, Katowice in uh, Poland. And then we sort of started like really, you know, the design of everything, which I still got the files now and they are terrible. I don't know how anyone would accept a project so badly uh, scoped. (laughs) Um, But it was interesting because we then flew then spent quite a bit of time like you know really they actually helped a lot like a lot of learnings in like how to think of a, you know building a product and and then we made yeah that was like the first sort of a uh, startup i guess was and it was called ventio that's cool that's super so you you figured you you have a problem want to share photos with with friends or relatives and at that point there was no really good solution out there yeah, so was, you you literally yeah it was like if you go to like say a house party and you know 20 of you take photos at the end the person the host or whichever would be like send me your photos can you try and send them to me and they're trying to organize it like if there's an app where you sign up you take your photos and it's just in the same album that would save us a lot of time that's right yeah okay and then you just you fly to poland and uh you are semi-prepared to work with it what a year was that more or less maybe like 2000 and 15 maybe so. cool um, okay yes, around that up. time yeah 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 and that's the first time you've built software right yeah exactly yeah 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 so like when i was in the sort of xbox thing that made like a forum and a few things but it was mostly like me just copy and paste and you know a lot of like it's sort of yeah pretty janky <laughs> and what was your expectation of what it would be to build an app versus versus you know reality working with the guys on the ground? I think you interp- like what you imagine to be true is that there's sort of one perfect path that you need to design around, which is usually probably wrong. You know, the first thing you do is probably not right. And um, I think that out of naivety, we sort of went very heavy in on like this is the this is it like this golden design is the the you know the golden product's going to work and you're going to go to the, you know go to the moon and then you know all when it's so complicated as a first version there's so many edge cases and not an edge case just like expectations of it from a user that it sort of become afterthoughts and they're not very you know efficient and smooth um, and I think the sort of takeaway was like. I don't even know if I really understood the takeaway at the time, but much more now that you know you need to, you need to sort of start very simple and build up from there as you learn, rather than start you know full like totally full of assumptions because it becomes I think very very painful for everyone. <laughs> Hiring a perfect team isn't a piece of cake, is it? 
To find a good candidate, you need to post a job on multiple job boards, review like a hundred CVs, conduct at least a dozen initial interviews to make sure there's at least a single specialist you would like to hire. But with Superb Hire by TrustShore, you can forget about all of the hiring headache. Find, meet, and hire skilled and dedicated assistants ready to take over marketing, sales, administrative, customer support, data entry, or other tasks. Contribute to your business growth and help you reach your goals. Superb Hire takes care of the entire recruitment process. You just have to show up for the final interview. Visit SuperbHire.com and book a free, no-commitment call to learn more. It's SuperbHire.com. Did you launch that app? Was it was it yeah. used? Was it was it in production? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had it um, out in the app store. We had actually used a few uh, festivals and like concerts. So I mean, this is like pretty crazy. We, we're trying to also get companies to pay us to have like their watermark on the image. So you know, if you're at a uh, a concert, the O2, every, like thousands of people on the app, and they take photos. Then when they you know they share them to friends, then they could have the logo in the corner and it helps promotion. So we we're trying to juggle that whilst iterating the product. And I think um, sort of lost sight a bit on you know probably should just focus more on iterating than that side. But it did actually get to go to a Snoop Dogg concert, which is quite cool. You know, so that was one of the benefits. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, so we we're in the app store, had some people using it, but we we just didn't crack like the. This is a very simple use case to use it. You know, relatively often. But there was quite a lot of um, weird things we tried to get users, which were quite fun. Well, amazing! I mean, first company, it's 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 always a lot of trial and error. So this is this is this is cool. And then you started food delivery service. Is that right? Yeah. So I was in a um, like a sort of co working space. Sort of met someone there that was like start working on a sort of yeah like a food delivery app, and we sort of joined sort of forces. At, uh, which is it was really fascinating because I never thought you'd want to work in sort of food delivery and at the time this is like 2016 2017 or so no 2015 2016 just checking you couldn't order you know you couldn't order anything like a franchise meal like a mcdonald's kfc subways like no one no one would sell that on any app um because they just didn't want to like they thought it was like bad for the brand by the end of the day like people love buying that sort of stuff so it had a website where it was like ranked really well seo wise um, so, you, you know, you search McDonald's delivery in London, we'd be above uh, McDonald's. So it'd always be the case that we'd have um, people coming in and um, ordering. And then the real challenge was the logistics and keeping like the service like super, you know, great. That was like a very big lesson on, on that side. So you had drivers kind of like an Uber Eats actually on staff that were delivering food to people. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting because this is when you know, just eat Uber Eats. I think Uber Eats are sort of joining in this sort of competing and Deliveroo was like, you know, hyperscaling. So, I mean, like the, the pricing for drivers, like the pay, you know, how they were paid literally changed every week. It was crazy. It was like so insanely competitive and we didn't really raise anything because we were sort of like, oh, we just sort of keep this going between us. And uh, we go, went through sort of entrepreneur first and one of the first sort of, I don't know, typical consumer you know, companies that sort of went through it. But yeah, learned, yeah that's that an accelerator. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Nice. How how big were you? What was the scale of this? So we had two of us, like full, like sort of full time on the team, and then up to at one point like thirty five drivers or so, sort of some mostly part time and some full some full time. Yeah, we're doing you know hundreds plus hundreds hundreds orders a day. It's kind of wild because this is also you know 
exciting, but at the same time, it was a big challenge. You know, like you could, if you got like sort of unlimited demand in a sense, like we just never would service the demand. And every and if the more you try to serve it, in some ways, you then have like diminishing returns in terms of quality, and it's just very hard to keep. It was just very difficult at the time. Um, and I think just sort of how how new all this was to us was keeping the the whole all all sides of it just awesome. The yeah, it meant that um we had the driver app as well, the website also all in like in, you know so many um so many things can go wrong when someone's trying to deliver you food like someone gets hit by a car or like all sorts of things can happen <laughs> yeah wow so the problem really was quality at scale like repeatable yeah. service at a planable scale i presume because you said you yeah. did have almost unlimited demand but like scaling was the issue right yeah it's it's sort of it was this you like up super early in the morning and goes, you know, you're still going at like twelve midnight because you'd be delivering until you know the place is shut. So, and like you wake up to chaos, you go to bed to chaos. It, it was like, very, you know, obviously it was like um, pretty awesome because you're sort of like this is really working. And uh, I think yeah, there's sort of so much you could sort of taken away from like what to do, what to try and do that you know anything sort of hits that sort of um, feeling of like you know you feel like you're at the like top of a hill but then it's like another hill and it's like it's just like more people (laughs) (laughs) what do you think the the ubers do better or is it just that they were able to raise the money and could just buy their way out of certain problems i think you sort of um you still need to have fail safe so just enough i think you still need to over supply drivers you need to have lots and lots of drivers first of all because if you know we're at a stage where even if one person calls in sick that could really cause a lot of issues. Um, or one person has that, you know, runs out of fuel or tire pops, you know, whatever that would have like, kind of like, um, you know, if you run like a, a, an air fleet and you've got limited planes and one of the planes has like an oil leak, you don't have any other planes to bring to like, and then it's just a dominoes of like issues. And it's very, and then you still need to have lots of drivers, very efficient at how you manage manage them and then also be comfortable with taking less orders and never have quality as an expense i think that's the thing because what we learn is like people would they would come back again and again and again and um you know our delivery charge at the time was like up to like 10 12 pounds which would be unheard of today but it meant that you know if you know what the taste of like a mcdonald's is you know and that's what you want it's what you'll pay for and and at this time, there was, it was so, there was no one really competing with us, so um, people would people would pay it, and they and they were sort of um, on us to try and make sure we get it to them quickly. Well, I guess in the end, obviously, they the big uh, delivery companies might have an advantage at scale, cost wise as well. But on the other hand, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I I haven't read up on that, but I presume it is a bit of the Amazon strategy of of uh, running a loss to to acquire users right so in the end you as a bootstrap company that has to be at least raymond profitable to scale you can't compete it's not possible yeah. right and one thing as well we sort of we never um had any partnerships which i think was actually a massive advantage to be honest so instead like we just trained drivers you know how to move through a queue quick you know <laughs> and it's like just get in try and find a way to get get in front of the queue um and it was usually a case that at busy uh, mcdonald's or any of these sort of takeaway places there'd be more check-in people or like places to deliver f- to pick up your food from than queues 
So people normally conform to like minimal, like five queues when there's actually nine people, you know, serving. So if you like, just try and slot your way into one of those spaces. But it meant that we could onboard Nando's like tomorrow. We just, you know, add it to the website, take a bunch of photos of the food. And then it's like, okay, now we serve Nando's <laughs> uh, without any sort of partnership of any sort. Wow, that's interesting. And that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know how it was back then, but today, you know, everybody let, let's screw the delivery guy, right? Yes. Uh, it's yeah. just weird when you then start taking an order and ordering from zero, but hey, uh, it doesn't <laughs> it was matter. Like, people were like, it, it just wasn't a thing. Like no one was picking up food from McDonald's. So I was like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> it was like, just, it's quite funny. <laughs> so in your first company, essentially you you learned that, you know, you need to iterate, start minimal, you need to iterate, second company, you know, scalability, quality, that's kind of what you really learned. And um, your next step was to join a scale-up. How did you decide you'd now work for someone again? So then, like, ultimately, my plan was to start something uh, new. And I thought that um, it probably just makes a lot of sense to go through it with another company and see what that experience looks like in terms of, you know, go from a small team to like a big company or biggish company. And then when I saw a uh, cover, um, it, was, it was ironic because I was speaking to a friend like a few weeks ago about like insurance and how terrible it is. And as a user, it just sort of doesn't seem like it's getting much easier for me each year, you know, as many, as many other things usually do. And it's like super important. It's a legal requirement. But the, the and yeah, like Monzo was sort of growing at the time, and they sort of you know radically changed what you can expect from a bank. So cover is like oh, like this actually makes things way easier for me as a user for my own life, and I think that'll probably be useful for like lots and lots of other people. And it was like five, uh, like five six people at the time. Then I sort of uh, yeah applied, joined, and then my, my first day like arrived to the office, and I'm like all oh, I didn't like move to uh, London, so I still had like my bag, and I had I didn't have anywhere to live. So I was just like, I'll find like a hostel for like a few weeks. And then basically like Airbnb hopped for like a few months until I found somewhere, which is actually really great because I met lots of cool people during that process. But I, like every few weeks I'd come into the office with like a, my big bag again, like, okay, I need to find a new place to go live. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, I'd say like, the, so um, it was covered. It's like an insurance company that makes it like, it's you can buy like one hour insurance for an hour. So at the time you could only buy insurance for like a week or a month at a time. So the option of borrowing someone's car just wasn't even a thing. So they sort of opened up a whole new approach to insurance where it can be very, it, you know, just cost, uh, the price is based on what you're using. So if you just use it for an hour, you know, you can pay for an hour. And that would mean that for me, my life, I could, you know, borrow my mother's car, for example, without having to pay for a whole month, which would be a bunch of money. And I could just borrow it, you know, whenever I see them just for a few hours at a time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so you started super early stage, right? Yeah. There, it was something like five people when you joined. And what were you doing there? So I joined as like a like product designer. And this is, you know, I guess like any sort of early stage company and also a bit later, but you sort of have a lot of hats. So, you know, only like designing how the product would work with like um, the other so the rest of the team because you sort of all pitched in on these sorts of things because um, you're all sort of users. But then also, you know, the ads and sort of anything we needed for to you know to get ourselves out there and this like we had a tiny you know one ios engineer and then like we, we hardly even had anything on the sort of website so was, and then we had the rest of sort of two um backend engineers and that was it we sort of just sit on the, you know around a table and just you know year on end really just you're sort of evolving the product bit by bit and then sort of noticing you know compound growth each week was always our best week for years 
and then you sort of like trying to figure out like what's a thing causing it <laughs> like i don't know and then you try to dig into it like hey, just do more of that like whatever that is and our thing was you know the faster we can make the product and the the simpler the faster simpler and the more we can ensure like it would always sort of you know people have a better experience and tell their friends more and it would sort of grow from that now i i presume that that wasn't as operation heavy as your food delivery business right it was software probably some customer support that needed to be scaled right did you manage a bunch of people or run a team at any point within that company did you did you learn anything there yes yeah, so, so i went from like yeah so the designer to then like growing the uh like design team and then sort of experience team so that's the you know, product design, you know, sort of all visual aspects, like how, what we, what we sound like. And then like the last year I was there, I was like product director. So that's was, like five sort of product teams. So some more like um, operational heavy and then the like internal tooling as well. So I think some of that's like not really known much about cover, but like MPS scores, like, you know, incredibly high, like 75 plus on the customer support side, something that we were very, you know, always focused on from the beginning. And we eventually got to be like um, surpassed, like you know, under a minute response time, twenty four seven, and that's like you know, no outsourcing, our own internal tooling. It's very efficient, very fast. So if the product's very quick, I think the service should be very quick. And this would mean in the early days, you know, everyone did support up until maybe the last year or so. You know, it was expected for people to do like a few hours of support here. You know, regardless of the role, and when people would join. They'd also have to learn how to do um, support just so you really understand the user. But yeah, so like the change is just going from like designer on one team and then sort of leading designers to like 12 or so in that team. And then the product function, which is like 60 people or so across the, the different sort of teams. Wow, that's a pretty big team. Obviously, I assume that was a funded company, right? Yeah, yeah. And but the great thing as well, like we're... Unlike many companies, I think, you know, Cover actually like would generate quite a lot of um a good amount of revenue just from the, the sales and I think that was like something that was always great is like, you know, not only would you have like you you know, engagement or those, those sorts of things, but you also have like actual and you know, month, like how much money is a company making and you know, those sorts of things, which is which is good. Nice. Okay. So now you're the third company, not yours, but the one you were working at, seems you're kind of bringing together these learnings from from the past where like quality is super important response time is super important understanding how to scale how to manage people how to bring all that together and it seems that that has really worked out i mean you guys scaled 270 people when you left i actually don't really know that much about the company itself it's it's probably quite a big deal in the uk i've not heard of it yeah, over like here one in the, germany but one of the main things like one of the most um in terms of uh like percentage of policy sold in the country it's like about you know above five percent of all insurance is just wow. through the small pretty small company because it's just sort of very high high volume and i think like i remember um you know one of the things is always like it was cool we used to have a, a web like an internal tool page where we could see how often policies are bought and it'd be we used to have it down to the seconds you could see like every whatever you know every 30 seconds and then eventually we got rid of the seconds because it was just like, it was just now just changing the minutes because <laughs> it was sort of like, it was just too, um, it was like so many, you know, policies being bought every few seconds, which is awesome. And that's where it was like, oh, this is very real. And, you know, the amount of people that, I, and it, I mean, as a product designer and like as a team, we had like a bit of responsibility where, you know, if someone's driving a car, you can't spam them with like notifications. It'd be like, you know, obviously not the right thing to do. 
And it was sort of like a product of like real utility where people are actually going to drive and they're going to take, you know, risk. And there's a lot to that. I think when, you know, designing a product, like it has to not, you know, you really got to make it really great because it's a very important, you know, buying decision. And then like, you could be like a bunch of people in the car and you need to make sure they, they understand what they're buying and all these sorts of things. And at what point did you decide that that was enough for, for that given stage? What made you reconsider probably continuing to to grow that business as one of the very first employees? I mean, like sort of had this like, you know, yearning to like start something new, you know, in a sense, like I knew I wanted to start something like, I don't know, for me, like even when working on like the photo sharing and then like food delivery, I was like, actually, you know, I think if I, start, I want to start something new, I want to really maybe be something a bit bigger in terms of what problem it could be solving um, for people. And rather than... Um, so which I think is so important, like you know, help you know, solving people's problems in different ways. But if we could, if I could work on something that solves like a problem that may take uh, decades to have like you know a significant impact, I think it'd be worthwhile, you know, worthwhile use of my uh, time. And then I like I want to now do that, you know, sort of use all the things I've learned and all the mistakes and all this sort of stuff and start something, you know, start something brand new. What problem did you decide to tackle? Like end of last year, I was speaking to um, someone I used to work with, so he joined uh, Cover just before uh, before me like five years ago or so and we worked together for like four years and um, i think we had this sort of like discussion between us we're like i think we're going to start something together right <laughs> and then eventually like oh, yeah i think we should and you know we would go back and forth on a bunch of different uh problems that we we thought like you know not only very passionate about but we think are really important and the two that were the ones that we sort of would keep going back a lot of things would sort of consolidate down to were like you know what can you do to help reduce the sort of wealth gap? And if you could build a company that like builds products around that, probably you know it could use time and really helpful. And then the other was what we are sort of noticing in our own lives and uh, you know people around us and online is it's become normal for people to feel alone. And there seems to be this sort of emerging problem where you know it's not getting easier for us to have meaningful connection with our friends and to meet new people. And there's a feeling of like sort of you know isolation that we think. Is important ones to try and not you know try make try and make a change to, uh, against you know if, if a lot of time is being spent with like I think it's a lot of benefits like you know on the, the sort of metaverse sort of side but is that the only option and should there be a company that sort of how do you make it like incredibly easy and very fast to meet new people see your friends more and that comes with a lot of benefits you know like health benefits like your personal growth you know your um, identity all sorts of things. Um, by you know spending some time with people and uh, putting putting yourself out there and, and sort of going outside. Totally. I mean, it's harder than ever to schedule and, and see your friends. But how are you solving that problem? Uh, so, yeah, so I think is you want to be like to the point where the only thing you really have to worry about is who you want to see, and we'll sort of figure out all the rest and get you to help you know, get you together, and you can meet new people sort of through your friends. So that the, the where you eventually want to be is you open outside, you tap a button. And there's someone very interesting around the corner and you can go meet them. And then you could always, and you can meet up with other people too. But our starting point is we're going to help people be the easiest, fastest way to see their friends and meet new people through their friends. So sort of like the flick of a switch, your friends can now bring other people with them. That way you don't have to worry about like the monotony of like trying to organize stuff and get people's phone numbers and all these things. And it's like if, if an app that's like super light, really efficient, you can meet these people really quick. And then the, the sort of organizing of things of how this stuff is done is like, it doesn't feel like you're planning anything, but hopefully you feel like all of a sudden you're like on your way to meet up with them. 
and sort of not, you know, following, I think, a lot of norms and that we sort of found ourselves in when it comes to planning to try to really like make a shift towards like the product that's super efficient, really quick, and it does all the work for you, just like a lot of software does these days, but it isn't at the moment for, you know, seeing people and meeting up. That makes a lot of sense. And oh, and in this new venture that you're co-founding with your former coworker, essentially, an app to make it easy to meet up with your friends, learn new people, get to know them. Looking at the previous businesses, right, both your own and Kava, did you make any deliberate decisions about how you want to run this business, how you want to start it, any assumptions based on these previous experiences? Like, what do we want to do, but what do we definitely not want to do? One thing which is... um. We want to be like very uh, inherently like mission driven. So, you know, ultimately we want no one to ever feel alone and to know that if they use outside, there's a way for them to, to have like meaningful connection really quick. And, um, and for someone that isn't potentially, you know, the end user like isn't confident with organizing something or planning something, they don't need to worry about that because we'll make it so easy that they wouldn't even feel like they're doing it. And all of a sudden they're with people. We're like, that's, what we, that's the experience we want to get to. Now, to actually start, it's probably a little bit it could be a little bit different something that we're like really focused on is like rate of like iteration like if we can really evolve the product quickly with our users and you know get feedback from as we go it'll probably help us get to where we want to go more efficiently so you know we try to keep it to like you know two to three releases on the app store a week you know we don't try to over invest in one particular thing because one of us thinks it's a good idea and that's it and if we can we'll try to start like something simple and then build up build up from there um, but always having like where we where we think the experience should will go over time but use the learnings we have to sort of evolve and making sure that even from a starting point like me as a designer we've got you know things are nicely set up that i can go into xcode and make a few little changes and then we i can push a you know commit for us to merge and put into the build and so that anyone i think over time that joins has the tools to be creative and have output without something necessarily always being in their way. And I think that's an issue over time. It's like, as you get bigger, there's lots of stuff in the way and to have output, it gets harder because it gets further away from where you start, where you actually are. Um, so if you can have it where someone is a really, really easy opportunity to have output, it'd be great. I think you want to keep the team inherently just very small and very close to the the problem and in the end sort of user and not overextend at all and make sure that, you know, we do have like an active way to get feedback from people really easily. And you just keep like, you know, even in the on the app, there's like a, a button you can just like leave feedback and you know, we don't capture like your name or anything like that. You just write whatever you want and then we can just sort of read it, you know, during the week and be like, okay, cool. This is, this is a signal for something that we need to improve. And so we don't ask for much, you know, in terms of like, we don't, don't need to give like personal information to give us that. So yeah, so I think the main thing is like, we just need to keep up like fast pace of you know, iterating and, and learning and and not not lose sight of that at all. So your your sort of recipes for success to find product market fit, because I understand that that's your current stage, right? You're still trying to find product market fit, your fairly early stage, is to A, have a very clear mission, but that mission, like that mission statement is really just that. And it, it, it doesn't, like the one that you described, it doesn't give a, a certain solution, right? It's just like, this is the problem we're solving, but but this very precise problem, but not how. Now, how obviously we're, we're, we'll figure out, 
so it's different than this is going to be a photo sharing app that's that that is has features x y and z and that's what we're building various now it's 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 really about solving a specific problem and the second part is to have a very small team that can work towards that goal without having to you know jump through hoops involve other people coordinate but just really be close to the mission be close to feedback and um, be able to creatively make improvements. I don't want to say on their own, because obviously I, I assume you, you talk a lot, you brainstorm a lot, you, you work a lot together, but then in implementation that nobody's held up by someone else, right? Is that what I'm, what I'm understanding? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think so, you know, you can, as a, whichever, you know, as a designer, go in and change the website yourself with that. You know, it could make, it's really good tooling these days to allow for that. And um, just like really optimized around like, you know, freedom to like iterate and make changes, improve. But I think ultimately, you know, we really want outside to, we think it can be helpful, like every, you know, kind of everywhere. And, you know, if we can ha- be like the, the way that is just much easier and faster to, to see your friends, to organize things, to get things going, to meet new people. And that's like the, the starting point. And then eventually connect the network up, you know, help connect people up to, to each other. And then it can really be the case where, you know, you can open um, the app, like tap a button, and there's just someone interesting around the corner. But that's, it's very hard to start doing that from the beginning. So at the moment, it was like local small groups. And then as we sort of get, you know, better, then we can tackle the real, really hard problem. And that's the sort of direction we're sort of taking it. So that makes sense. And obviously, it's a challenge, right? You, you really, this is an app that doesn't provide all too much value for the single user without their friends, at least until you open up like this super meeting, super random people feature for which you also need to have enough people on the platform. So that's, that's really, it, it's really tough. Yeah. And I think it's like you sort of, um, this, that's where we initially wanted to take it was where you could you know meet up with someone totally new, but initially, but we've just thought, I think it's a bit of a responsibility to make sure that, the quality is you know you really meet someone that you really have you get on with and have a great time with and just speaking to users in, in the, when we sort of initially think about this um our experience was the opposite you know when you do use these things that connect you up with someone like experience isn't good it's not great and we think it's just the the way they what a lot of people are trying to do that is really ambitious but um we're trying yeah trying to approach a different way nice i love that and so what's up next for you guys what's what's ahead uh, so yeah, so now we're, we've got a release going out tomorrow. Um, interesting enough, like we, we sort of just stagger. What, you know, we sort of plan out like what things we think make sense when, and when someone gives us feedback, it sort of moves to the top of the list. And we, so we've had some feedback come in, so we, we're sort of um, fixing stuff around that. But the main change is like just lowering. What we've learned a lot is the barrier to get started has to be so low, and that's we're improving. So it's like way easier to get started with like adding, you know, seeing who's on the app and adding people. And but then what we'll be doing is pretty like, I think, like really awesome way of like planning ahead and knowing if because if you use outside it's, it seems to be the case that you want to also use it for lots of other things in the future so you have like one side is it's just really efficient and really like just way easier to organize something with friends and then the other side is like being spontaneous and meeting up you know very close like super fast so we got some more work to do i think on making the the planning it's so not the planning but like the, the things in the, in the future a little bit better and that's what we're doing now boss making it also much easier for people to to join and then i think the the biggest thing the thing i'm very excited about in the future will be like where the only input on outside uh will be uh who do you want to see 
and then outside of like figure out where and when. So that way for you as a person, you don't even need to think about that stuff because that's normally part of the, you know, where do we go? What what time should we meet up? And it's like a lot of, you know, headspace. And I think that's a bit of an accessibility barrier for a bunch of people. Um, whereas if you just say like, hey, I just want to meet up with Victor. And it's like, okay, once Victor says yes, this is where go there. It's easy. Super cool. That's really exciting. Where can people learn more about you and outside? Where can they try it out? So yeah, the website's um, outside.so. And then there's like a bunch, there's a few links you can tap to like download the app. Actually putting a new pushing out a new version of the website uh, this week and today so but yeah i feel it will be a bit nicer than it is now i'll be at outside.so and then it's outside in the app store we should be at the top if you search outside beautiful well thank you so much it's been super exciting thank you for sharing your journey and your insights definitely looking forward to hearing more about outside uh soon and uh wish you good luck yeah appreciate it yeah really appreciate the time thank you this show is brought to you by TrustShoring, your friendly concierge to find reliable and tested software developers from Eastern Europe. We recruit full-time developers, match you to an experienced software house that's ideal for your requirements, or recommend a reliable freelancer for smaller projects. But most importantly, you benefit from our experience of developing software remotely for almost 10 years. We give you one-on-one guidance all the way, so you're never lost. Stop the tedious hiring or vetting process and get matched to reliable talent. Sign up for a free consulting call with one of our experts today. Go to TrustShoring.com.